God's grace, God's mercy, and God's peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I've had the opportunity uh, several times over the last years to take the service for Pastor Sight on this particular Sunday with these particular sets of readings. And so I couldn't use a sermon from before because you all have really good memories. But it gave me a chance to look again at the lessons, especially the Old Testament lesson. Isaiah 45, 1. This is what the Lord says to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I take hold of to subdue the nations before him. And then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. Friends in Christ, I must admit that both of these admonitions by our Lord are difficult for me for the same reasons. For example, as a pastor, it would seem that the second, rendering to God what is God, would be somewhat easier. It's kind of an occupational fulfillment. It's a no-brainer, and yet I am a sinner. And though I might know and think what I owe God or should give to God, knowing and doing are not always that easy. Now the first one, rendering to Caesar, to the, rendering to the government what is its due, is difficult for many of the same reasons, because after all, I am a sinner, I am selfish, and I don't like to let go of my money. And I have a lot of issues, especially with some of our leaders who seem to act as if God really isn't the one they were talking about when they said, so help me God, when they were sworn in. Now, I have problems with income tax. Maybe you do too. I find it hard to do each year, for again, I am selfish and I don't like to give what the government asks of me. But when I think about it, I'm a sinner. It means when I pay my tax that I have income to tax. And from the tax, I get roads that I drove on this morning. I get medical care in this wonderful country of ours. I get freedom. I get the right to vote and to choose the government over me, where many on this planet don't or are struggling with being able to vote. And then I have first responders like firemen and ambulance attendants and the military to keep me safe and healthy. And I even got a free flu shot last week. Not a bad deal, really. Pretty good deal when I think about it. And besides, if I forget to pay my income tax, um, the CRA will remind me. Often. Very often. But I think our lessons today call us to see something more to look a little broader at how God chooses to work in our world. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God. It seemed at first that there are two different things going on here. Two different worlds, kind of mutually exclusive almost at times. 
In our modern world, we have come to think of secular, political, material as separate from spiritual. That God is in one and God is not welcome in the other. We, though our leaders operate in one world, we thought, and God works in his other world. But Isaiah reminds us that that's not so. That the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is not just working in the church through the gospel and through a people of faith. He is working in all the world, even the world that does not acknowledge him. Sometimes we get the feeling that God is not a part of the everyday running of our nation. We seem to forget all those hands on the Bible times when leaders pledge to do their best, so help me God. And we've always taken it as if, well, really, how could God be there anyway? Yet we sing in our national anthem, God keep our land. And then I think about all those things and I think about our Old Testament lesson today. Maybe that's why God mentions Cyrus today. Why mention Cyrus? That was a thing I wondered. What's he got to do with salvation? He's not even Jewish. The question is not, can God use worldly leaders to carry out his will? But will he restrict himself only to working through those who acknowledge him as Lord and God? For his plans are bigger than our plans, and he is willing to go and use any means to accomplish salvation of all humanity. Now Cyrus. Cyrus, I found in my studies, was more than just some name in a history book. 23 times he's mentioned in the Old Testament, so he has some things to say. He was a young king in a small area of Persia when his grandfather, the Lord of the Medes, made war on him. Family problems there, I think. Grandpa attacks him, and, but even as a young man, Cyrus was known as a benevolent leader at a time when the world was full of not-so-benevolent leaders, and so his grandfather's army mutinied and joined him, and suddenly he was leader of an even bigger country which makes the year 539 BC very important for us as believers. In a very short time, Cyrus found himself the emperor over an area larger than any other emperor in history to that point, from India to the borders of Babylon to the west. And Cyrus came a leader and well-known because he had some very innovative ideas on how to run a nation. Ideas that are even innovative in many parts of the world today. When he conquered a new land, for example, he didn't do as Nebuchadnezzar did to the Jews. He didn't go in and take all the valuables out of the land and destroy the land. He made the nation a partner in his empire. Little loss of life, and people were treated fairly. And he had a Bill of Rights, believe it or not. The first Bill of Rights, I found out which said freedom of religion, that you could practice your faith freely, even if it was different from somebody else's. He abolished slavery, 
when a novel thing in 539 BC, and equality among the citizens of his empire. No wonder when he came up against Babylon, that wasn't such a nice, wasn't led very nicely, suddenly he found that the armies of Babylon simply joined his. And it was relatively easy to bring down this big, big, powerful, at the time the most powerful nation. Bring it down. 539 BC. Now what in the world has this got to do with Sunday morning worshiping Jesus in the house of the Lord? Well, it has a lot. Because you see, in (coughs) Babylon, there was a, a group of people who benefited from Cyrus taking over Babylon. They were soon freed from being slaves. They were allowed to practice their religion once again, and they were treated as equals, where for a long time they were treated as subjects and slaves and lesser beings in the kingdom of Babylon. In Babylon, the children of Israel had been held in bondage after they had been taken into captivity. And now Cyrus, at the hands of God, made it possible for them eventually to return home to Israel. Under Cyrus, they began that long journey back home where they rebuilt Jerusalem, they rebuilt the temple so that they could wait there, focusing on the words of the prophets, wait there for God to send his Messiah to send Jesus. This was not a bit of chance. If you read through Isaiah 45, 44, 46, it is very clear that God allowed and worked at the hands of Cyrus to accomplish his great task of returning the children of Israel to Jerusalem and to continue that great plan of salvation that you and I cherish today. Each and every step Cyrus took God, through Isaiah, makes it clear, that was not you. It was me. I am sovereign over all nations. Even if you did not know me or seek to worship me, I'm going to use you, your good qualities, to bring about my great plans of salvation. So to render to Caesar is not just to pay our taxes, It's to be part of making the world a better place so the gospel can be preached. What does it mean, rendering to Caesar? To work for better government, supporting and electing good leaders, looking with a positive view to those with godly virtues and values. is one of the ways God keeps his world in peace. Because God wants peace. Why? Because in peace, the word of God can be proclaimed and people can come to faith in Jesus. It all comes back to that, doesn't it? So that the whole world may come to faith in Jesus. For example, we sometimes don't appreciate how important political people are to the gospel. For example, we all know the history of Martin Luther, who was saved by the godly leaders who ruled Germany. Luther understood the importance as a result, for us to pray for and to seek and support good and godly rulers. 
and by our actions bring out the best in our rulers. Luther explained in the fourth commandment, he lumped all authorities with parents, all in authority that we might respect them, honor, serve, and obey them, that we might gain the blessing of the fourth commandment as we find it in scripture, that you may live long in the land that I shall give you. The promise of God when our worldly leaders are good and righteous. Render or give what is due to Caesar. Those are pretty easy, but there are many ways we can do that. And if you have volunteered or done something, paid your taxes, written a letter of saying thank you to your MLA or whatever, or even said maybe, you know, there are things you could be doing better. We're part of that process of God speaking to the world around us. Sometimes people say, well, that's worldly stuff. We don't get messed up in that. We just go to church and keep our heads down. Maybe that's not so good. But what about rendering to God then? What do we render to the God who says, part of your rendering to me is being good citizens, bringing out the best in your leaders, taking part in making this world a peaceful and safe place to proclaim the gospel. What can I, as a poor, sinful being, realize that I owe God? What can I, as a poor, sinful being, ever give to God for all his benefits to me? Last week we had Thanksgiving, and we did a lot of thanking. But really, what can we give to God? What can we offer to God for what he has given us? What can we do? What have I received from God, I think, that I might look at him and appreciate? Well, in a few minutes, we're going to speak the, the catechism. And what have we received? House, home, fields, cattle, money, goods. Everything we have comes from God. What do I have today as a blessing from God? God has given me my home, my family, my children. He's given me the privilege of preaching the gospel around the world. He has given me the opportunity to be blessed by the lives of Christian people around me and to live in peace and harmony. He has given me my life. How can I ever put a value on that? And where in the world can I go to a store and find something that I can buy to give as a gift to God saying thank you? Where would you be without the blessings of God? Not just the good things, but the bad times. Those times when you were destroyed or felt all alone and suddenly God's strength enabled you to pass through the valley of the shadow of death and to conquer and be strengthened again because and only because of his love and his word and his power in your life. Where would you be? Where would we be without Christ, our Savior and Lord? What can I possibly give to God that can anyway show how absolutely valuable the cross is. And to know that each day my sins are forgiven and I have the hope and the power and the promise of everlasting life. What would our society look like without Jesus? In a city like ours, what could we do without those hospitals? those social service agencies, and all those other things in our community founded by people of faith, 
because they were moved by Christ to love and to care and to cherish. Where would we be without worship, the sacraments, and that precious gift we shared earlier? I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. So what do I have that even comes close to what I have received from God? What can I render to God for all his benefits to me? I can only render that which he, put on, which he died for on the cross, and that is me. All I can give is me, my life, everything about my life. Because it was on the cross that he died for me, that I might be freed to serve him with joy and gladness. Dear friends in Jesus, in rendering to Caesar, we are blessed. In, bless, in rendering to God, we live the new life in Christ. In love and with humble hearts, I think our response is summed up in the hymn, that wonderful hymn that you all know. Take my life and let it be, consecrated Lord to thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. May that be our response to our Lord's words today. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Hi, Pastor Sai here. I hope this message was encouraging for you. At Riverbend Lutheran Church, our goal is to support Christians in their daily walk with God and in proclaiming the love of Christ to a lost and broken world. We're a small and inviting congregation welcoming any and all who are sinful, hurting, seeking, or simply broken. Whether you're already a Christian and are looking for a church home or you're undecided about your faith and looking for answers, you are welcome here. We have a number of programs for all ages and walks of life. Sunday mornings we have worship followed by educational programs for all ages. Please join us. For more information, you can visit us online at www.riverbendlutheran.com, call us at 780-430-7382, or email me at pastor at riverbendlutheran.com. Better yet, stop in for a visit. Until then, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with his favor and grant you his peace. <laughs>